Hey, I wanted to thank you all for listening. We have well surpassed over half a million downloads. As a matter of fact, we are about ready to hit three quarters of a million downloads. We are so close to it and approaching one million every day. So I'm so excited and so blessed and thankful that you are investing your time and digesting Sell Without Selling podcasts. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited about all our episodes that I really wanted to share with you some of my favorite interviews, some of our greatest episodes. And we're just putting together a compilation just to celebrate you, celebrate some of our greatest moments, and share with you the best of the best of Sell Without Selling. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Episode 146 Getting Real About Success with Steve D. Sims. So, quite rightly, when you're out there picking a coach, have they ever failed? Have they ever had challenges in their life? Have they ever had mistakes? And if the answer is no, they've never had any of that, well, quite bluntly, never use them. Because <laughs> they ain't educated. I don't want to learn diet formulas from a skinny model that's never been over 110 pounds in her life. Right. I want to learn how to diet from someone that was a 500 pound monster mm-hmm. that has been able to make themselves trim and healthy. That's the person I'm going to listen to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, I have seven coaches. I, I'm a huge Go advocate. <laughs> no, you know, for me, I, I, I want harmony in every area of my life. So I hire a coach for every area of life to really yep. help me thrive, really live. You know, this, this existing part, this, this settling for less or settling for ordinary it's just not a life that, that I desire or choose to live. So, you know, Jay is, I, I, I was so excited to hire him as a coach at the end of last year and, and the impact that he's made uh, in my way of thinking and shifting paradigms has been phenomenal. And, you know, I, I, I just recently hired, it's funny that, that, that you bring up the, the diet coach, you know, for me, I hired a, a nutritionist to really fine tune my nutrition so that every micro and macronutrient I put in my body, I understand the purpose of it. And um, I'm having a blast, you know, these mm. coaches, every one of them push me to my limit. And, and it's funny that, that you say, are they an asset or an invoice? I just had I just had a client text me, a brand new client who's been on board for a couple months. And 
business is significantly increasing and he's come to this crossroads of, you know, we, we've grown so fast that he needs to hire. And his comment to me was, Stace, my investment with you is another employee. And I go, eh, your investment with me is really a protection for the future. I work with you, not for you. And working with me is going to help you build resources. And if you really look at our relationship that way, then you don't need me. And he goes, no, wait, I do need you. And I go, well, then you get to shift the way you look at the investment with a coach, because my job is to be an asset versus a liability. If your P&L's growing, if your cash flow statement's increasing, if everything is on the right side of the index, you get to shift the investment. That's just reality. Why is it then? And I think we had no idea where this conversation was going to go. Right. But it's always stunned me at how people look at a coach. And I I'm going to say loud and clear, anyone out there, get what works for you. Yeah. Okay. It may not be Stacy. It may not be me. It may not be Jay. It may not be. Get what works for you, but get. Mm -hmm. That's the key. You meet the most dynamic, powerful people. Kobe Bryant, top of the game, had a coach. Michael Schumacher, you know, mm -hmm. Valentino Rossi. All of the actors out there have speaking coaches, dialect coaches. The President Obama used to talk about his coach. You know, Steve Jobs had a coach. Yep. You know, all of these people at the top of that field needed to refine what they couldn't see. Yeah. And it's still, even today, the classic line, you've heard it before, I don't know if I can afford it. Mm. Okay. The second that statement comes up, the response is, you, you can't afford not to do this. Yeah. You know, so it, it is funny. Again, this isn't, this isn't a, a, a public service announcement no. for you know, no. the Stacey and Sims coaching program. It's a declaration that if you are aggravated, if you are um, concerned with where you are today, if you are unhappy about your position yeah. today, you need help. Yeah, you know, when I when I went through the embezzlement with my ex-business partner and and it ended up, you know, I ended up filing bankruptcy and losing millions of dollars of assets. Uh, I went out and figured out a way to hire a coach because I mm -hmm. knew something I was in an area I had never navigated before. And the only way that I believed I could get out of it was to hire someone who had a path that could elevate me so that I could see the forest through the trees. And, you know, and I did. And the coach I hired, ironically, lost a seven-figure business, filed bankruptcy, and built an eight-figure business. So I, and I didn't know it when I interviewed her. It was the funniest thing. And through it, she goes, I really look, I really feel like I'm looking in the mirror 15 years ago. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it's the best thing that ever happened. It's the best thing that ever happened for me. When people ask me, Stace, what do you cost? And I look at them and go to work with me or not work with me? Because that's Ooh. really reality. That's a smooth line. I'm stealing that. <laughs> yeah, it's my coaching pickup line. Not. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that was, that was a good one. Oh, that, that was smooth. So Steve, what, what has been your journey as a business owner? Because you earn, you, you own several businesses now, and I want to get into the dynamics of each of them because they all kind of shake each other's hands and yeah. 
they're all also multifaceted and have different focuses. So what's this journey been like for you as an entrepreneur? So again, go back to the curiosity. As yep. a lad in uh, East London, uh, I left school at the age of 15, went straight onto my dad's building site. This was in the 80s and 90s. So I didn't have Facebook and Instagram just to show me how inadequate my life was. It was a gut reaction. I was like, hang on a minute. Is this it? I'm 15 years old now. I'm on a building site with guys in our 70s and 80s. We're getting rained on because that's the beautiful tropical weather of London. You know, we're getting rained on. We're getting cut up. We're going home at night and we've got dirt and scrapes and bruises all over us. Too tired to go out. So I knew how to work hard, but I wasn't working smart. Mm. Also, while I joke about Facebook, I didn't have, we didn't have podcasts. We didn't have Facebook groups. We didn't have online courses. We didn't have any of those things that could have helped me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, in effect, we got too much and you have to shift through the crap to find the diamonds. But at the time, it was all down to a gut reaction that went, there's got to be something else. And I remember one day, I'm a biker, always will be on two wheels until sadly the day I'm not. And I was in a bar in London. And I remember, basically, my bank account was in my right pocket. <laughs> and I remember, it was one of those things that you kind of like, week, eked out your week's wages, see how many times you could go to the pub. And it was like a Thursday, and I had like a few quid left in my pocket. And I was trying to work out how many more beers I could buy. And I remember it was like, I'd calculated it to like one and a third. Now, this wasn't uncommon. I had a beer in front of me. I could afford another one. And then I could afford a third of one. So it wasn't uncommon for us to just like look at each other on the table, right, throw your coins in. And you'd buy a, a number of beers you could with the remaining coins and divvy it out to everyone in, in the bar, okay, yep. in this pub. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm in a room full of broke-ass bikers. Mm. This is normal for them to, we're not feeling bad. We're not feeling humiliated. It's like, ah, throw your change on. Let's see what we can get out of it. And I thought to myself, they're all broke-ass bikers. So what am I? And it was obvious to me at that time, I was a combination of that room. I was, I was a cog. I was the exact same as everyone in that room. And I realized at that time, I need to change my room. Mm. I need to change the room I'm in where us throwing money on the, the table, while it's all helping the buddies out to get another beer in them, it isn't helping our life out. It isn't helping us. We're settling for another third of a beer, you know? And so I went out and I started chatting. And I remember the first thing that I did was these new things started popping up in London called wine bars. And this was the trendy where all the yuppies were now going. Mm -hmm. And you bought imported beers. You're like Corona. You know, I remember now you wouldn't touch a Corona. But, you know, at the time, this was like, oh, my God, it's, it's imported from Mexico, you know, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and they charge you like 15 quid for it or something. And I remember being in this bar. And I was affording like two, two and a half to three beers in my other pub. Mm -hmm. And I was able to afford one beer and had like a couple of, couple of pence left oh, wow. in this wine bar. It was nice. so much more expensive, yeah. but I was in a different room. Yeah. So I started watching people. I would, I would spend three hours on that beer, okay? And I started changing the rooms I was in. I started demanding more of me, which not a lot of people do. They don't action it. 
They bitch, they whine. Oh, my life's shit. Oh, the people I hang around with is crap. My job's rubbish, hmm. you know? Don't tell me. Tell the mirror and then do something about it. <laughs> yeah. And so I went out to try and find it. I went back to work and I went up on the scaffolding. And this is a, a, a little story that was actually in the book. I went up the scaffolding one day and my dad was at the top of the scaffolding. Yep. Next to him was my uncle, who was slightly younger than my dad. And then my uh, two cousins, which were in their late teens and mid-20s. And then my granddad, who was in his 80s. It was my entire family lifeline from where I was mm -hmm. to where I was going to be. Wow. And I went down into the tea hut and I said, I went up to granddad. Now, I've got to tell you this for a start. My granddad was a seven foot Irish monster, mammoth of a man. And I looked at him and I ran up and I went, granddad, granddad, did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were this age? Now, no one wants to hear that statement. Right. Now, my granddad was also a punchy paddy. So, you know, he would, he, and I, I should have got a smack in the nose for being disrespectful. But he didn't even look at me. He blew into his tea to kind of like, you know, cool it down a bit before he got some warm liquid in him. And he said these words, these exact words that have been scarred on me forever. He went, son, if you don't quit today, you'll be me tomorrow. And I was like, wow. shit. And I came out of the, of the tea hut when the bell went and I went running up to my dad. Now I told you my granddad was seven foot. <laughs> yep. I'm 245 pound of ugly and I'm a, you know, a couple of millimeter under six foot. My poor dad was like five foot six. For some reason he missed the height gene pool completely and was uh -huh. like a shorter man. <laughs> so as I went running up to him and I'm like, dad, 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 he hated being called dad on the building site. But I'm all like spiked up on my granddad's uh, kind of like motivation for me to get out. And I'm like, dad, dad, dad. And he's like, Shh, what do you want? Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I, I went up there and I saw you and I saw, and then I came down, and I saw granddad. I said, you know, and he said, if you don't quit today, you'd be me. And I'm babbling like a moron. And I said to my dad, I got to quit. Now, here's the funny thing. My granddad walked behind me at that time. Now, my granddad, again, being so large, when he walked behind you, you knew that there was a sequoia tree behind you. It would, <laughs> right. it would like cast a shadow. And here was the funny thing, and I'll always remember this. My dad is looking up to me because I'm like, you know, good inches above, uh, taller than him. And then he looks past me and looks up even further to look at his dad. They gestured to each other. He looked back down at me and he went, you finished Friday. Now, then, with those words, my granddad then continued to walk. Wow. Bad thing was, I never, ever got to see my dad and my granddad alive again to be able to tell him what he did to me. You look for the win-win in relationships. And, yeah. and, and that whole bullshit meter has served you well. And a lot of people, a lot of people call it their gut instincts. Some people yep. call it their bullshit meter. Some people call it their unconscious mind. Regardless of what it is you call it, it requires a high trust in self to be able to access it and honor it because yeah. so many people waste resources by not doing so. And then they end up, the relationship goes south, they end up getting screwed, they waste time, whatever, right? Yeah, you, you've reframed it perfectly. You are 100% accurate. So 
I let's look at the flip side. You know, you've spent your journey researching why people are successful and you weren't. Yep. Let's flip the coin. And why do you think statistics are so high as to why business owners, entrepreneurs, self-employed don't make it? I mean, 97% of them that set out on their journey fail and accept it and stay there. Why do you think that is? Because they accept it and stay there. <laughs> I will I will tell you, I saw, I saw this. Hmm. You know, I, I, I physically saw it happen. But there's one big reason the successful people are successful and non-successful people are non-successful. They lean into failures. Hmm. Now I was with, do you remember? When Elon Musk, he calculated that one of the most expensive things about getting a rocket into space was the fuel cells. Yeah. Because of a wreck rocket, it's, that's about 80% of the bloody rocket yep. is these sodding great fuel cells. If he could find a way of bringing those back, refueling them and use them again, he saves billions. Yeah. Okay. Sounds a simple thing, but that's how Elon works. Works with simplicity and clarity. Mm -hmm. So what he did was, do you remember seeing the rocket fuselage started to land and then it wouldn't quite settle right, fall over and it would explode? Yep, yep. You remember seeing it? Yep. And you probably saw it a few times on the news with different ones that kept on exploding, correct? Yes, yes. When was the last time you saw one land? Uh, it's been a really long time. Do you know, <laughs> do you know why? Because they don't. <laughs> no, because they land perfectly. Yeah, in the water. It's no longer interesting. Yep. You see, what happened was I was down at Hawthorne and I was down at the SpaceX plant and they had all the computers there and all the technicians watching it and Elon's watching it and this fuselage comes down and it starts kind of like going left to right, left to right, yeah. starts recorrecting itself, lands on the pad, topples a little bit, one of the afterburners goes off to the right, it falls over and explodes. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm with a bunch of guests at the back and a bunch of these guests went <laughs> and they covered their mouth and they leant back because billions of dollars had just got blown up. Mm -hmm. The rest of the room, thankfully, those people in control and Elon, they put both hands on the desk and they leant into the data. Yeah. Where did this go wrong? Because the education is not from the thing landing right. How many times have you like, you know, smacked a golf ball or, you know, played snooker or hit tennis. And it's been perfect. You've gone, how did I do that? Oh, I don't know. Can you do it again? <laughs> no, it was a fluke. Okay. Right. Yeah. But they don't believe in flukes. They want pinpoint accuracy on where it went wrong. Because when they know where it went wrong, they can correct that. Now, he's been up and down in space a whole ton of times. You never see it because he got it right. Here's, the, here's it for the write-up. Successful people lean into the failure hmm. to gather the education on what went wrong. Yep. Unsuccessful people lean back, grab their head, scream out loud, throw a pity party, and suddenly start serving you a coffee in your next drive-through at Starbucks. So when something goes wrong, ask yourself, is there educational gold in that moment? How do you decompress? How do you recharge? 
Um, by focusing on the smiles, I said to you before that I need to make sure I have a lot of smiles in my in my day. That could be riding the motorbike. It could be playing around in the garden with the dogs. Last night, I just sat around the, uh, the, the fire pit with my wife, just had an old-fashioned and just sat there and just chatted and told jokes. So I make sure that each one of my days count. Nice. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Steve. It's been phenomenal talking with you today. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. If our listeners want to hunt you down and find you, where can they find you at? So I am Steve D. Sims, D for dashing, and there's only one M in Sims. I'm Steve D. Sims everywhere, which I still find funny that, you know, people don't have the same URL everywhere, but stevedsims.com, you can find out about my events, my coaching, my podcast, uh, anything you like, um, or you can find me Steve D. Sims on Facebook, an entrepreneur's advantage with Steve Sims is my private but free Facebook group. And find me on Instagram where I do a lot of my postings of my camping that I was talking about, riding <laughs> motorcycles, drinking too much whiskey and uh, the occasional meme. Fantastic. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Episode 150, American Dream, the journey from the bottom to success with Anne Landstrom. We were homeless. I didn't have a job and um, I'm a person that didn't even have an unparked, uh, uh, unpaid uh parking ticket. I mean, I never have anything like major like that happened to me. So it was uh, going through a big shock. I mean, I slept in my car, um, which I had blocked out a lot of that I blocked out in my mind until I kind of came to you and unblocked all this through the NLP breakthroughs and all of that. But uh, it, it came to a point that I was really suicidal. I um, uh, it was one, the, the breaking point was the day when I went and, and picked up my son from school and I had covered up so well uh, my homelessness and my situation that most people didn't know unless my were close. I had my suitcases packed in my car because I didn't really know what I was going to sleep the next night sometimes. And um, my son jumps in the, in the back seat and he tells me, mommy, uh, let's go home. I'm tired as he pats me on the shoulder and, and, um, then he goes, well, that's right, mommy, we don't have a home. So that was like my like breaking point. Like, okay, I have to, nobody's going to come and rescue me. And if I commit suicide, I, he's not going to have me. Um, he's going to have to go back to the abuser full time. Mm -hmm. And um, that was just not happening. So I just realized that that day uh, I had to become a lion rather than an abused alley cat. And that's what changed the whole scenario. And I started to rescue myself by um, learning about law of attraction, uh, following people that I looked up to, um, you know, like Lisa Nichols and Les Brown and those people that I now have photographed. I mean, talk about law of attraction full circle. I eventually got to photograph these people that more or less saved my life when I was in the hole. So it was just a decision that I'm not going to be the victim. And the best revenge, so to speak, is your success and happiness. And karma will take care of everything else. Yeah. That's a very empowering way to look at it. I mean, you, you have put yourself in front of some really big names. Sharon Lecter, Lisa Nichols, Les Brown, Stedman. I mean, you, you've really been behind the camera 
and capturing the pure essence of some very large icons, right? How did you even manifest that? How did you even make that happen? How did you create it? Mindset. The day I decided that these people are not any different than me, they go to the bathroom, they wake up, they have problems with their spouse, they, you know, blah, blah, blah. They have the same issues that, that we all do. And they started at some point. They wasn't born successful. They weren't born this way. And when I didn't define myself, at, when I defined myself as an equal to them and uh, I'm just on the same journey. I'm just a little behind in the back seat or the trunk or however, or you know, two cars below, but behind on the, um, that's when things shifted. And um, I, I, um, I went up and I spoke and I talked to them and said, hello. And, and that's how we kind of build that connection. And, and uh, so, and, and plus I'm big on manifesting by vision boards, by, um, saying, um, writing letters to myself that I post and read every day of what I wanted in my life and what I might want to manifest. And also saying, uh, go building goals, um, quarterly go goals and yearly and, and, and the work towards that. And, and I think the biggest thing is, which I think stops a lot of people, including myself, was that you so wrapped up in the how that that kind of said oh gosh, i can't do that mm -hmm. but if you stop thinking about the how and you'll start doing it whatever that is you know baby steps uh big steps and you'll start working towards what you want mm -hmm. i believe that's the, the the big thing you get so wrapped up in your own bs that you tell yourself in your head and i love your your quote and i steal it from you all the time the itty bitty shitty committee <laughs> that sits on your i mean that's the best quote i ever heard i'd say it all the time people love it. it it's it's so true you have that little committee and sometimes they're screaming at you and sometimes they're whispering but it's always there and you all you just have to learn how to shut them up because so many people focus on the external yeah. And they avoid ever focusing on the internal. And reality is, you know, the personal drives the professional so that the professional can serve the personal. Mm -hmm. And so many people look at closing techniques and negotiation techniques and networking training and, and sales scripting and all of the external stuff, right? The marketing, I, I could go on and on. And the one thing that they really fail to observe is where they go, they follow. And they're the common denominator in every activity they participate in. And if you aren't getting the results that you need, the results that you want and the results that you desire, then it's really important to look internal. Yeah. You know, do you trust yourself? Do you believe in yourself? Do you... Can you depend on yourself? What's your self-esteem like? What's your self-worth like? So many people cringe at asking for money. And yeah, part of I was it, one of them. Yeah, yeah. And part of that reason is because their self-worth is lacking. So they can't understand how someone else would even pay them. Right? And this could also go back generations. I mean, I grew up with parents that, oh, money doesn't grow on trees. 
uh, we don't have it. Uh, we can afford that. And that gets, I mean, in your unconscious mind. <laughs> yeah. That, and then, uh, so, I mean, you really got to do some deep work sometimes to reprogram all of that so that it is abundant of money. Anybody can attract money or get money into your life. And there's enough money for everybody. And um, yeah, so there's, there's so much to, to all of it. But I think that the number one thing is with, I don't care what business you're in, is to connect with your client or potential client on a personal level and really like listen and talk to them and, and everybody wants to be seen and heard. I haven't, I haven't got to any client that doesn't like to talk about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So like get out of your own way and let them talk about them. It's yeah. not about you. It's about them and what you can provide for them. Yeah. I tell people all the time, we have two ears and one mouth. We should really work at using them proportionately. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm curious, Anne, how has failure been instrumental to your success? I wouldn't be where I'm at today if what happened to me didn't happen. I truly believe that. And I've actually, it, it, I cringed when I wrote it, but I actually wrote an email to my ex-husband and said, thank you. Because if it wasn't for all the crap that you put me through, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I wouldn't be so passionate about, um, especially uh, photographing women that uh, and, and bringing back self-esteem and self-worth in to showing them that, you know, photogenic. I mean, who, who decided that who's photogenic and who's not? Yeah. I mean, that was a, a, must have been a really messed up individual because we are all unique. We're all one of a kind. So I, I say in, in we're soul-genic, right? I mean, it's, it's and, um, so yeah, I would I, I strongly believe if you follow your passion and your niche, whatever you love, and 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 I mean even if you take whatever has happened to you in your life and turn that around to how can I serve from my own experiences? Yeah. So, how do you or how did you stay motivated? going through that up and down journey for so long, you know, because so many entrepreneurs, as a matter of fact, st statistics are 97% mm -hmm. fail within the first year, right? Yeah. And then out of that 3%, uh, over 85% of them don't make it to three to five years. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a big part of it is because so many people quit before they really get started. And there's this internal drive, this internal motivation. How do you stay motivated when you're when when things aren't happening? You know, you said the biggest, the, the most important thing to understand is it takes time. You know, you really dug in since 2015 and have really seen the benefits of all your efforts, you know, over the past couple of years. Yeah. How, how did how did you keep digging in through and staying motivated to keep moving forward 
Well, there's only um, there's a reason why there's only a, a smaller percentage of people that become successful because they're willing to do the work. Yeah, you're not going to get there not doing it. You, I mean, I, and I, I know I told you this. I'm like, I'm tired, Stacy. <laughs> like, Hang in there, five more years. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, seriously, five more years. And yeah, you have to put in the time. I mean, the 15 hours days is not uncommon. And and now, you know, I, um, I'm a single mom and I don't have a partner. So um, I have a teenager that really don't want to hang out with me. You know, it's, it's, it's so it's, it's me and my dog and, and I'll, I'll work, but I love what I do. So for me, it's not work. It's people say, what are you doing when on your time off? I'm like, I work. <laughs> what do you do for fun? I work. So for me, because I love what I do, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it is, um, it is my passion. So, uh, but it takes work. You ha you have to do it. It doesn't come free. There's no magical dust or fairy, you know, whatever. You have to do the work. Yeah. Whatever industry you're in, you just have to. And Lisa Nichols said um, one thing is like hook hook your train onto somebody else's caboose or however she says it. Follow somebody that you admire and get into their. Uh, and learn everything from them that you can until you, you go to the next person and the next person. Um, I, I read a lot of books. I watched a lot of seminars. I've taken a lot of courses. Yeah. Um, you, you can't just sit there and wait for it to happen. You have to do the work. Yeah, you have to make it happen because yeah. nothing's going to happen that you don't plug in and make happen. Yes. You know, it, it, it's funny because, well, it's really not, but when The Secret came out, so many people missed the secret of the secret. Yes. <laughs> and that was taking action. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have to have a positive mindset. You yeah. really have to have the law of attraction and you have to still take action. Yeah, people say, hey, I've been I've been watching that movie. I've been I've been trying to attract this Lamborghini and it's not happening. I don't believe in it. It's been a year and it's still not here. Right? <laughs> and, then, and then your question is, well, what have you done? Yeah, so I've, I've sat there and believed it's possible. OK, so what action have you taken? Yeah, well, I'm thinking positively. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. Right. You know, one of the parts of the word attraction is action. Yeah. Right? Yes. So. So I'm, I'm curious now that, you know, we're a year and a half into COVID and getting you to network was like giving you a root canal every day. How, how is networking helping you now? Are you still out the wall? I know you're not out there. Are you still in the Zoom world networking and connecting with people? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm, de I'm definitely out. And I went to a networking event this, this weekend and, uh, um yeah so but i i'm not as much out there out there at, i mean before when you told me you have to go to i can't remember how many you said and i'm like that's not possible how am i going to do that <laughs> <laughs> i can't yeah. remember yeah you have to do like a breakfast one a lunch and then a happy hour three days a week or something i'm like well when when do i actually do the work if i'm out there like talking to people all the time but it, yes networking and building those relationships is definitely a big part of my success. And like I said, those relationships takes time. And 
it, it's it's like dating, right? I mean, it, it takes time. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much. Uh, if our listeners want to find you, follow you, reach out to you, where are you at? How 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 can they get a hold of you or find you or follow you? Well, I'm in San Diego. Um, I have a studio in Carlsbad. You can find me. Um, my website is anphotography.com. That's A-N-N photography.com. I'm also on uh, LinkedIn and um, Instagram. Uh, last, last name is Landstrom. So it's Ann Landstrom and Ann Photography one on Instagram. And uh, yeah, yes, please reach out, set up a phone call, love to connect. Awesome. And thank you so much for having me today, Stacey. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a great experience. No, it's been my pleasure. I have loved watching your journey. I loved watching your success. And I'm glad that you got to share your journey with our listeners and truly appreciate you. Thank you. Episode 168, Book More Business and Make Money Speaking with Lois Kramer. What got you into the speaking business? How did you evolve into this? Well, it's a great question. And the answer is totally by accident. This mm -hmm. is not anything I had ever planned. Yep. Um, I worked right out of college. I worked for a little mom and pop here in St. Louis called the United States Steel Corporation in marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. And I left when uh, I adopted a little girl to stay home for a number of years. And then I got a call from a professional speaker. And uh, one of my college friends said, you had a caller. She was in sales and marketing. So he called me, Stacy, and he said, look, I, I'm looking for somebody to run my business. And I said, boy, how interesting. Speaking is a business. You can do that. That was really my, my thought. And um, just, I really said, I'm not, I'm not looking for a job, but you sound great. I wish you the best of luck. Mm -hmm. Then he called back 10 minutes later and he said, would you agree to have lunch with me? And I said, yeah, I'll have lunch with you. And uh, we finished lunch. He paid for lunch. I started the following Monday and we decided we would give it a start, uh, give it a try. And um, that's how I got in the speaking business. And then I was asked by National Speakers Association to present to uh, speakers on selling, which is really what I did for him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started thinking, could there be a business in this for me mm -hmm. after people were constantly inviting me out to lunch, Stacey? <laughs> Stacey. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try and see what I think. And that was 1998. So you didn't uh, like it at all. <laughs> yeah, so far, I'm still trying it out. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've been very fortunate and it's the nichest of businesses that I have. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been very lucky. I, and I really, I have to say I'm blessed. I love what I do. I get to work with creative, interesting people. I've met some of the most interesting people in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had a lot of fun along the way. So that's how I got into it totally by accident. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because people ask me, how did you become a coach? How did you become a speaker and trainer? And the same thing, I fell into it. I, and when I go. say I fell into it, I, I still think I'm cleaning myself off and brushing myself from that trip. And the accident part about it is beautiful because then, you know, we just kind of evolve into our own. And for me, it's never really felt like I've ever worked. 
Well, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way. I have felt really lucky. I keep waiting for somebody to knock on the door and go, look, the jig is up. <laughs> You've gotten away with this far too long. And I'll tell you, um, about the fourth year I was in business, one of my uh, speaker clients owned other businesses. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want you to come and do some sales training for my other businesses. And I thought, you know, these skills are transferable, working with speakers to promote themselves. So then I started speaking to corporate sales teams on sales. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a number of years. I don't do that anymore. This is enough. But um, but I've thoroughly enjoyed the trip. And it's taken me places I never would have uh, thought of. Uh, but yeah, boy, it has really been fun. I love that. I absolutely love that. So, you know, there, there's several things I want to talk with you about today. I, I absolutely want to talk to you about sales and salespeople. I mean, the foundation of this, of the entire show is how to sell without selling. And, you know, for me, there, there's a huge science behind that because the easy answer is if you show up and serve, if you understand the need, want, and desire, and if you're the best of the best with your product, service, and solution, and you serve the prospective client, there's no such thing as selling. However, so many people attempt to do all these fancy techniques, and this is just a business of humans serving humans is really all it is. And yeah, I agree. And so, and then the the other thing is, you know, you, you deal with speakers and 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 I think that 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 the two scenarios are somewhat synonymous because salespeople have to be good communicators. Yes. We have to be able to speak and present. And so many people think of speaking as large platform, and it yes. absolutely can be. However, if you're talking to anyone, you're speaking, right? Absolutely, absolutely right. It can be uh, to one other person. Yeah. That, that you're speaking. S- speaking is a multidiscipline talent. Mm. Uh, and I think you acquire it by doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And certainly you can get coaches to help, but um, you, you get good at it by doing it. So whether it's one person, it's to your uh, fellow employees, it's mm. to your boss, your leadership team, it's all speaking to me. Yeah. You know, it's funny because people, people ask me all the time, cause I'm a diehard introvert. I, I'm like, it's, it's my job when I walk into the room to hold the wall up so it doesn't fall down. That's my job. And on top of it, when I was little, I was a chronic stutterer. And oh. to this day, I'm still, I still have stutter steps. I'm just aware of them. So I, kind of know how to avoid them. Mm-hmm. And people always ask me, how is it when you get up on stage, you don't freeze or you don't make mistakes? And I said, when did you decide I didn't make mistakes? I make them all the time. <laughs> and they look at me and they're like, well, we don't know about it. And I said, that's the beautiful thing about being a speaker. You never know what's going to come out of my mouth. So even if I mess up, nobody knows because everything I say is just right. <laughs> you know, it's most of us mere mortals have experiences where we have totally uh, messed up. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things, people allow you more grace than we allow ourselves, I think, typically. And now all of the speaking, the only speaking really that I do now are to groups of professional speakers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been I've been asked, wow, isn't that really nerve wracking speaking to groups of speakers? And I said, you know what? The great thing about it, there is nobody who wants me to succeed more than my audience filled with professional speakers and who allow me more grace uh, if I trip up over something. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if we can laugh, they laugh. Yes. I mean, it's funny because saying success so much can come out so many other ways. And my uh, podcast editor so many times has clipped out. I really should just <laughs> edit your podcast for free because of the the, the humor that, that you deliver and how much you make me laugh. <laughs> so let's let's talk because one of the there were two major reasons I was excited for you to be on the show. One of them I really want to dive into right now. The second one we'll dive into in a little bit. So you used to deliver sales training, right? And now yes. you and now you teach people how to speak. So the sales. Well, training. now I don't teach people how to speak. You know, I just want to be clear about what what my uh, role is. I am the person you come to if you already have a speech. There you go. And you have the ability to deliver it in a compelling way. Mm -hmm. I don't write material. I don't tell you what your expertise is. But once you have that, you come to me if you want to make money with it. There you go. Okay. So you help speakers make money. Yes. <laughs> so let's go to the entrepreneur, the business owner, the independent sales professional, the self-employed person. Why do you think so many struggle? Looking back, of course, my experience is the one that I would cite the most. Yeah. And I think that coming into your own business, and I was not a toddler when I started in 1998. I know it's hard to believe looking at me, <laughs> but um, it takes so much self-discipline to run your own business and to be a good steward of your time and your resources, I think, especially when starting out. Mm -hmm. And um, I do think, however, that anybody starting out in business now, it's a huge plus if you learn to communicate really well. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying become a professional speaker necessarily, though I think it's a good way to promote yourself. Mm -hmm. But I mean, join Toastmasters. I, I call Toastmasters the off-Broadway of speaking. Mm -hmm. For people who uh, feel like they want to up their skill level, get good feedback from people who are used to giving feedback, meet mm -hmm. other business people who are all there to be better at communicating. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good start. And in fact, I was talking to one of uh, my school board members in my uh, local city here. I live in St. Louis. And I said, I wish that there was a Toastmaster club in every high school in this country, yeah. because I think it would be a wonderful thing, a wonderful skill for kids to start acquiring really early. Mm -hmm. and being a little bit more confident yeah. uh, about voicing what they think. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it is absolutely essential. As an entrepreneur, you know your expertise. And whether or not you want to speak, you're able to communicate that expertise in a compelling way. Hmm. And I also think that, you know, I really like that, that you said be a really good steward of your discipline. So many business owners, entrepreneurs, self-employed, sales professionals, they're really good at what it is they do. They're really yes. good at their trade. They're really bad at everything around what, what they do, yeah. right? And, you know, I wholeheartedly believe that we do what we do best and then hire the best to do the rest. Uh, you know, I was just going to say... I, I, I outsource a lot of the administrivia associated with my business. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you come in, when I first started, the best use of my time was to do every damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Empty the trash, <laughs> refill the cartridge with ink, 
Yeah. But as you grow, you constantly need to be asking yourself, what's the best use of my time? One. Mm -hmm. And what is it that I like to do? And what is it that I really don't like to do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that made me really grow into loving my business more when I outsourced the things I really didn't like to do. Mm -hmm. I could have learned it. Yeah, but I really didn't want to. And I didn't think it was the best, highest and best use of my time. And I think that's something that we ask ourselves, we should be asking ourselves constantly. Yeah, you know, and then I think one of the other things that creates an obstacle for people is the itty bitty shitty committee, you know, the voice in the head yes. really second guesses themselves or argues with themselves or, or really prevents them from stepping in and owning their empowerment. You know, they they start looking on social media and comparing themselves to others, which then just deploys the itty bitty shitty committee times 10. It does. Yes, yeah. I agree. And I think that um, I know I am my own worst critic. Mm. And, you know, I'm going to come back to something I just said a few minutes ago. I will allow grace to someone else before I'll allow it for my for myself. Yeah. Now, that's something I, I need to work on. I mean, there are still things that all of us can work on. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I can work on. I think being um, self-critical to a big extent is not a good thing. And you need to recognize when that's happening and find a way to get over that. Find a way to get over that. Um, I, I am an optimist by nature. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, and many times it's a choice to make, I think. Mm -hmm. And many times I may decide to be optimistic, mm -hmm. even in a time that is not. Uh, but I, I do think that our businesses, just like our lives, mm -hmm. uh, are a culmination of the experiences and the choices we make. Mm -hmm. So what inspires you to do what you do now? You know, I love uh, working with people who have great information and want to affect a large number of people with that great information. Who yeah. want to really, um, it, you know, it's kind of like stowing, uh, throwing a stone into a pond and seeing it ripple. That's yeah. what I think a lot of my clients do. They uh, have some expertise and they dip at the pond. And then when they leave, all of these little waves come mm -hmm. from it. Mm -hmm. um, most of my clients uh, absolutely can't wait to get on the stage. Many of them do other things mm -hmm. besides speak. Mm -hmm. But I think the ability and the ability to hold people's attention is a compelling thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is, um, it, it's always a wonderment to me uh, when people show up at an event. <laughs> you announce you're going to be there and people show. I'm always, I live in, in, I'm just constantly stunned, Stacy. But I, I think that it's, such a benefit when you feel I can reach so many more people by speaking, by communicating my expertise. Yep. And it, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. And it's also a heady responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So let's, let's roll into speaking because we keep touching on it. So, you know, a lot of our listeners are self-employed business owners, entrepreneurs, sales professionals, and they're saying, Stace, what does this have to do with selling? What does this have to do with selling without selling? What does this have to do with success? You know, whether or not, in my humble opinion, you aspire to be a professional speaker or not, speaking is still necessary. And reality is, I wholeheartedly believe that you can fish with a pole or fish with a net. 
And when you do these onesie twosie presentations, you're fishing with a pole. Yes. When you put yourself into a room where you can really touch and impact and move a multitude of people simultaneously, you're really fishing with a net. That's just yes. my humble opinion, right? I mean, I'm this girl from the East Coast that moved to San Diego when I was 13 years old that had a stuttering problem and was told that I'd never be able to complete a sentence, right? And now I speak, uh, the largest venue I've ever spoken had 7,500 people in it. Yeah, wow. And you know, you're standing on stage and if you don't think that itty bitty shitty committee deployed, <laughs> <laughs> it did. No. <laughs> so, you know, for those people, it doesn't matter if you're presenting your product service or solution, or if you're leading a team, or if you're doing a pancake breakfast to introduce people to life insurance, you're speaking. Yes. So let's talk about speaking. And you wrote a book, Book More Business, Make Money Speaking. So let, let's talk about that because I know a lot of my listeners want to book more business. And I know a lot of my listeners, they're listening because they're always looking for ways to make more money. And I'll tell you, I think speaking, you can make great money speaking, Stacey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's no sin in making money. I am a believer in that. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that your ability to promote your service, whether you're an entrepreneur, a small business, your ability to promote what it is that you do by sharing some of your expertise with an audience mm -hmm. is an absolutely stellar opportunity to get business. Mm -hmm. I, when I started, you know, Stacey, I remember sitting around a table with a mastermind group that invited me in early on in my business, people who were much more successful than I was. It, it's the exact group I wanted to be in, mm -hmm. the exact group I wanted to be in. And I remember sitting down when I literally just started my business. In fact, I looked at my watch. I said, I've been in business 20 minutes, everybody. <laughs> and I said, I don't even know what to charge. Okay. And so one of my friends said, well, if you're going to start out consulting, you need to ask at least $50 an hour. This was 1998 money. I said, $50 an hour. I said, you know, before I sat down here, I thought I'd have to put pantyhose over my head and have a gun in my hand to get $50 an hour. Wow. It, sometimes we just can't imagine and see the value mm -hmm. of our expertise. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're selling. I'm in the intellectual property business. So are you, Stacey. Yep. And anybody who is consulting, training, anything like that, you're really in the intellectual property business. And then you need to ask yourself, how can I best spread uh, what it is that I do out in the world? Mm -hmm. And speaking is an absolutely compelling way to do it. This, mm -hmm. My marketing is speaking in front of all the groups you mentioned in my introduction. Yeah. Because I think if I show up, if I give good, uh, a lot of great content, when they mm -hmm. feel like they need somebody, I might be the one that they call. And it's worked out really well for me for 20 years. Yeah, you know, so many salespeople show up and spray and pray or yes. show up and throw up and, and they have very little focus in their message. And, you know, I'm sorry, delivering an elevator pitch, that's speaking. 
you know, delivering your presentation, that's speaking, it serving, is. serving a prospective client, that's speaking, going into a corporate office and pitching your largest proposal ever, that's speaking. Better believe it. Right. You better believe it. And, uh, you know, I think that it would really behoove people to get comfortable doing this uh, in whatever basis you can. You know, it's why I'm going to preach about Toastmasters again. I swear I don't get a finder's fee when people sign up. But I think it is such a great place to go in to learn some presentation skills, to get comfortable and learn some of the nuances about being comfortable in front of people. Mm -hmm. And when you see the quality of people who are in some of these Toastmasters groups, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's stunning. I mean, there are CEOs, CFOs there who want to communicate better to their employees, want to make sure that they're putting their best foot forward. Yeah. I have a friend uh, who's been in the business 25 years. She does very, very well. She will never miss a Toastmasters meeting when she's in town. And I said, why do you go to those things? You've been out of town. You're hauling it off to the Toastmasters meeting. She said, I get the best feedback on new material. Nice. That's from awesome. my Toastmaster group. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, being able to communicate your expertise in a comfortable, confident way yeah. goes a long way towards getting more opportunities to do what you want to do. Hey, thanks so much, Lois. I know how busy you are. I know how productive you are. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, for our listeners, your success is important to me. And it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you and for you. I'd love for you to do three things right now. First, I'd love for you to hop over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's hop over to Facebook, join our Sell Without Selling community. Second, now jump over to Instagram and follow us at the Stacy O'Byrne. That's jump over to Instagram, follow us at the Stacy O'Byrne. And then last and definitely not least, I'd love to chat with you and get feedback on these episodes to help make this show more valuable to you and for you. You know, we're all about helping you out so that you can make your impact on the world. Jump over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15 minute call on the schedule. And always remember this choice is a powerful thing, and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so you can get on your way, so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.